All right, welcome to episode 81 of All the Small Takes. Coming to you on a Tuesday night here with John and Cooper as usual. And uh, I don't know about you guys, but everything feels pretty pretty right in the world. It's warm here in Ohio, warmer. The, the polar vortex is lifted. Uh, we're doing a podcast now once a week again. And our national nightmare of no Boston titles is over for the four-month drought. So... How are you guys doing? Are you feeling the same, same rightness in the world? I'd just like to, right here at the top, um, shout out to Nick Foles for the last person to have a receiving touchdown in a Super Bowl and a passing touchdown. I mean, he's got, there wasn't even a receiving touchdown in this Super Bowl. So, no, yeah. I would like to know that list. How many people have both receiving touchdowns and passing touchdowns? Still, staff department? Yeah. No, that's, I'm not into that one. No. 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 Maybe I'll tweet it. I probably won't. Oh, um, speaking of, that's a good reminder. We'll come back to that in a second when we do the social media thing. Uh, Cooper, how are you doing? I'm doing okay. Not as giddy as you are because my team will never win a Super Bowl. And I'm feeling Especially great. Especially not with about, who they hired. Yeah, I'm feeling great <laughs> about the Bengals hire, actually, because, you know, the quarterback play for the Rams looks really good. Uh, and considering that was his main duty on Sunday, um, oh, I think his outlook for head coaching looks real good. Not He was... He was the quarterback coach? Yeah. Isn't that awesome? Oh, man. That's terrible. Yeah, that's wonderful. So, yeah, that's who we have. Um, but we got rid of Marvin Lewis. So maybe we'll be just as bad as Marvin Lewis. I don't know. I mean, is it almost like the, the table's turning where all these teams that hired the next Sean McVay, the ones that hired like the most like third-removed Sean McVay's are actually going to be the best off? Like, like Cliff Kingsbury, who is a friend of Sean McVay's as opposed to a former... <laughs> coordinator or like or position <laughs> further removed you get from Sean McVay maybe the better off you are yeah I don't know we never really talked about this I don't fully understand the strategy of like because don't you realize by some like at some point that by pursuing like an offensive young like young coach that you are now getting like the fifth or sixth best offensive young coach because all the other teams have done the same thing before you mm-hmm. and that so maybe it's better to like pursue a different direction Zig when everyone zags. Doesn't that just, just like just seems like too common sense? Maybe. That's kind of what the Broncos did with Fangio. It is what the Broncos yeah. did. Yeah. I love how the, there are like three distinct coaching trees in the NFL now. There is the Belichick one that inevitably withers and dies. <laughs> the Andy Reid one, which is normally good for a little bit. You know, he's, he's got a Super Bowl in Philly. And then um, the Sean McVay one, which is just, we'll see what happens. But that's it. Those are the, that's the only, those are the only people you hire in the NFL. People that work for Andrew I don't know. Reed, Marvin Lewis had Belichick. Marvin Lewis had three, I think, head coaches last year, but Vance Joseph got fired. Mm. Mm. So it's not so much of a tree as it is like a shrub. So did um, it's a tiny shrub. So did the guy for the Browns, right? Oh, sh- there were five then. Oh, wow, yeah. I didn't even think about that. There were how five at fi- one point. How many? That's a bigger tree. Yeah. <laughs> two, two of the five got fired. <laughs> And as a, as the leaf falls and the seasons turn, the tree will. It's not like Belichick's record is that great either. With his oh, tree. oh his no, tree it's is terrible. terrible. It's bad. Awful. <laughs> you don't hire anyone from that. Tree. Seriously, name one. It's like Charlie Weiss, Romeo Cornell, Daniel. O'Brien the best. O'Brien has to be the best. Or Vrabel. Yeah. Like Vrabel's still. Ooh. No, but O'Brien it's taste is like actual success. I think yeah. Bill O'Brien has had the most success. So, right, and they want to fire him every year. So yeah, yeah, they, it's always, <laughs> it's always. <laughs> yep, uh, yeah. So it's a good day. It's a good day to be podcasting. Uh, 
So speaking of social media, to come back to what Cooper mentioned earlier, we put out a poll on Twitter after last week's episode that I have not yet checked. So this will be a live reveal of our poll about what John should bake. Which John, did you already bake? I did already bake. Oh, we have a tie. Uh, we have a tie. Yeah, so, so you should have baked both. No, I just made the bacon soda bread. For all of those of you watching on our live stream, the, you, can see the soda, you can see the soda bread on my. <laughs> you can see it on the on the oven over there, sitting on top of the oven over there. Yeah, got got pretty good reviews. Um, only one person wasn't a fan of it. That was was my mother. Um, she doesn't like bacon. She doesn't like real bacon in her food. She prefers pre-cooked bacon. She prefers pre-cooked to uh, full fat or whatever on earth you want to call the other bacon. So, actual bacon, a wild taste. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, honestly, I prefer, um, I prefer pre-cooked too. It's way less fatty. Oh my god, um, this is. Oh I, I we, should we just stop the podcast now? I think we quit. Have you? Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> when was the last time you guys made raw? You had raw bacon in your house. So, I have trick. it in my fridge right now. Like, yeah, and the trick is to do it right in the microwave, now. which might also put me on like a not good graces. Oh, I'm out. Yeah. Wow. No mess. You microwave it? Yeah. I mean, you okay. Paper towel, why even have, even microwave it? What's why the point even have it? of having? So yeah, I think just, the just easy way to do it, the cop out way to do it, if you're going to do it, is to put it in the oven. The oven like that's yeah. the yes, cop that's out the way cop to do it. It takes time in the morning. Oh, no. It's faster than the stovetop, in my opinion. I think It's not faster than the microwave. It's still way less cleanup because then you just put your foil down. And you so just much less. Yeah. Do you cover it now? Do you cover it when it's in the oven, or do you just let it go free bird, <laughs> or, or free pig, or whatever? <laughs> no, I don't cover it. I don't you don't cover it. it. I don't cook my meat in like an aluminum foil case. No boats. No, you just put it over the top so that the so that the grease stays in, as opposed to shooting out and getting all over the oven. Uh huh. Compound the grease no. on the bacon so it cooks even better. It gets crispy. No, just clean the oven. No. <laughs> Who cleans the oven? <laughs> Not me. No, it's actually it's dangerous to clean the oven. Mm, that's why I don't do it. <laughs> oven cleaner is super toxic. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Have we turned um, into a baking show? Is yeah, I think we, we are? have. I hope so. We've made the so. first got, steps of a pivot. <laughs> I've got two. I now have. I am now the proud owner of two Great British Bake Off cookbooks oh, and wow. three cookbooks <laughs> that feature Mary Berry. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, All right. Let's 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 do another baking poll, John. What are you planning to bake this week? Um, okay, so I'm either going to make a let's see, one of three things: either a whipped chocolate layer cake, a, a devil's food cake, or um, I think it's a, a chocolate mousse cake um, for tomorrow because our Dante book club at the church is uh, finishing Inferno, so we're getting out of hell tomorrow, so we're celebrating. Um, oh, sweet. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm going to bake one of those things. Two of them, if I bake them, have to be ba made tonight because they need a bit of time to, to sit. All right. So I did not hear all three of those. Okay. Uh, I really only heard one of them. I don't want to go back through them. Um, I'm just going to make two of the other ones up in our poll. Like no, 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 no. Nope, don't nope. do it. Like don't it, do it. Done. <laughs> because <laughs> realistically, you're going to bake some of these tonight. So this will be your next baking adventure yeah. later in the week or next week. Yeah. Deal. Probably. Cool. All right, so sports, because I think that's still what this podcast is about. Uh, let's do a relegation update rather quickly if we can. Uh, Cooper, or no, that's, let's let John. This is John's segment. John owns this. John, take it away. 
Right. Um, so relegation update. Um, Man United has moved positions and they are now only. Uh, uh, give me a second here while I do the math. Only 37 points out of relegation at this point. So pretty close. Uh, they've, o- they've only managed to win 14 games this year. And uh, I mean, the best analogy for sports leagues is uh, probably baseball with the EPL in terms of schedule length. So it's pretty bad. I mean, we're over the halfway point. They've only got, only got 14 wins. So we'll see if they can actually pull it out. But um, most prognosticators don't think so. They think uh, we're gonna. They think we're gonna see Man United kind of tank out at the, uh, at the end of the year, um, and uh, yeah, I think that'll be it. So, tank for Zion. Tank for Zion. That's that's what they're saying. That's what's uh, that's what the Daily Mail's picking up. So, <laughs> hey John, where's Arsenal set in the table? Arsenal is um, sixth. Yeah, yeah, they are. <laughs> yeah, all right. We have the uh, third, wow. fourth. Fourth most goals in the league, actually, right now. So you pretty do. impressive offense. Mm-hmm. Pretty impressive offense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel pretty good about this one. And Man U's schedule isn't that bad. They only play one of the big six teams um, away from home, left. That's a pretty favorable schedule. And so I think John overlooked this in his review. Where does Man U sit in the table? I, t- I told you. We don't need yeah, to go back like, and revisit that. I think we should. Why not? All I heard were how many points they were from relegation. I didn't hear a table position. Yeah, that's. I mean, it's essentially the same thing, Jeff. You're kind of splitting hairs. Um, they're fat. So yeah, they're they are fat. one spot above Arsenal. Okay. <laughs> they are one point above Arsenal. And um, and who knocked Arsenal out of the FA Cup? I don't really care. I mean, oh, probably, probably right, Fulham. I think Fulham. I think that's Fulham. <laughs> I'll take that. <laughs> uh, okay. Is Fulham going to get relegated? Oh, they are. That's so they sad. are going to get relegated. Mm, I hope yeah. Fulham pulls that out. All right. Maybe that'll become part of the relegation update moving forward. Yeah. But this has become my increasingly my favorite segment because the joy that it brings Cooper. It, it, it's just like it's been trending upward for a couple of weeks, <laughs> and I knew this moment was coming, and I was so excited <laughs> when it finally happened. <laughs> Just increased your enjoyment of uh, your experience for the EPL. <laughs> yeah, so it has. It's also created more anxiety because I watch, like, just I need United to win and I need Arsenal to lose, and I've never cared this much about it as I do now. <laughs> and the tables have switched so badly for John. Yeah. <laughs> The past nine match weeks have been really bad for John. Yeah. They've been pretty rough. At the start of the segment, it was it was all – Roses for John. All Arsenal all the time. <laughs> There's still time. Uh, all right. Unless there is there any other soccer news to cover? Well, yeah, MLS, right? Cooper's going to give us the breakdown of all the MLS jerseys, every single one. Yeah, I was, I was thinking we could we could pass over that, but if Cooper really wants to, I would love to keep that. You can check it out on our our live stream. <laughs> the live stream. Our Twitch. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'll just go through my browser segment. and show you guys all the jerseys and talk about them. Um, <laughs> No, we're not doing that. There's nothing to note here. The jerseys are kind of, no, not that special. Play does start in less than a month, though, which is exciting. Nice. Yeah. We've got some more jersey talk coming up anyway. The union are rumored to be signing um, a Mexican, uh, one of Mexico's midfielders from uh, one of the German leagues. So that's pretty exciting. Okay. Sweet. Yeah. 
All right. So the Super Bowl. Should we talk about it? You guys want to talk about it? I mean, you're going to make us talk about it. I am going to make you guys talk it's about it. It's pretty bad. It was a like, pretty what, bad game, objectively. How does it rank with the Super Bowls we've of, lived through? Oh, I thought you, you were asking in terms of Patriots wins because there, there are quite a few of those too. <laughs> you guys need me. Like, if I were from like, if I were from like Phoenix or like uh, Oklahoma City, this podcast would be so boring. Yeah, thank goodness you're from Kansas City, you know? Okay, extended family, <laughs> first six years of my life, Pittsfield, Massachusetts, shout out Western Mass, Berkshire County. Um, you guys need me. I'm like the foil for this podcast. I think that's the right word, the right literary term. I just like really deeply hope that my four years spent basically living with you in college was like purgatory. That's just <laughs> like time off of purgatory. That's all I can hope for. That's really do, nice. Do you want a hot say. take about the Super Bowl? Yes, that's what we're here for. Tom Brady is the only thing holding the Patriots back from winning another Super Bowl. Oh my God. You and Skip. You and Skip. <laughs> no. Did it hurt his legacy? He played. <laughs> Give me a break. Like, so, okay. Belichick, Edelman, Edelman got the MVP because he was actually on the field, but Belichick deserved it. Like, we can all agree, right? Belichick that did. That game was won because Belichick completely like, microwaved Sean McVay's brain. I don't and know. Then, I I was surprised Gilmore didn't get more kind of hype for it. Edelman was really hard for a defensive player to win. It's really hard. Yeah, yeah, especially when you don't you don't make a play on the ball. It's just the quarterback making one of the more disgusting throws of the year. I thought the game was horrible, and like I'm sick of this. Was going to be my wasted day, and I'll just shift to the other one of five that I have of them for this week. the people who are saying like that was a good football game because they're like football guys or whatever, and like it's a good football game because I actually like appreciate football. Um, those people are stupid. It was a horrible football game. Yeah. You're a Big Ten it was, fan. It was but hor- it, no, but it was so poorly coached. McVeigh walked out of the first half with two timeouts. It was poorly coached by one side. Well, okay, like, uh, and I mean, it's not the- like the offenses did anything creative. Like it, no, neither no. offense was like. I'm going to try and actually get out of the like defensive situations. The Rams never figured out that the Patriots are playing zone. Mm-hmm. That was one of my notes. They were playing zone the whole time. And Gilmore was in man coverage. Yep. Like he was a Rover and they couldn't figure it out. And How it do you not Rover? figure that out? Are we, yeah. are we playing Rover defense now? Is that a thing? No, sorry. Not Notre Dame Rover. He was like actually man marking his guy while the rest of the team was playing zone. Like box and one in basketball. And that's what I just don't get it in the NFL. You literally have guys like in the box, like who can see this and yet they couldn't see it. How do you not make adjustments? And then the Rams are one of the best like screen offenses in the league. And I think they threw like two screens. Well, they really, really missed Gurley. Like Gurley w- was their screen offense. Like you can't, CJ Anderson's a great and you fine. You Brandon Cook on your team. I mean, p- part of the problem is that uh, uh, what Goff wasn't accurate. Like no. the, the the one thing I've learned with watching Notre Dame football is screens only work when you're accurate with the, on the delivery. Like the it is amazing the difference between Ian Book who can throw a screen accurately and Brandon Wimbush who can throw a ball but can't get it accurately and just how quickly the screen game disappears. And Goff was not accurate at all. He was terrible. Yeah, and I don't think McVeigh did anything to like settle him down. No, no he didn't like. <sighs> It was not a good football game. It, yes, I do like Big Ten football and I like defensive football, but I also kind of 
at least hope that offensive coaches tried to kind of break the defenses down a little bit, and none of that was really happening. I mean, Josh McDaniels did nothing to write home about either. Like, no, yeah, yeah like that's that. It was it was a garbage offensive game on both sides. The Patriots just <laughs> the Patriots quarterback knew enough to just throw the ball away and hopefully get it into his guy's hands. Whereas Jared Goff stood there for like half an hour when he had a guy open in the end zone mm. and threw it. Play of the game. Oh my gosh. Play of the game that, by McCourty. That was so bad. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that it was like this master class by the Patriots. It was an ugly football game. I agree with John's assessment that I think the coaching was the difference very clearly. The inability to adjust by the Rams was kind of baffling. But I also think like the whole story on the Rams this year was how simple their offense is. They run like a few number of plays out of like the same general formations and they use a lot of motion and the Patriots were able to neutralize that with zone, which they played. They were, they were like top five in the year this year. I'm playing man to man coverage and they played like Cooper said, all zone with the exception of Gilmore on cooks. Um, and then they were able to get to golf. Like, like I said it on the podcast last week that Goff's a fine quarterback when he's on schedule and his routes are developing on time, but they weren't. And the interior pressure actually was more of a factor for Goff than I thought it was for Brady. And this is the thing that frustrates... Sorry, I'm changing the subject. Not yeah. really. Same subject. The thing that's frustrating is the Rams had to know this was coming. Yeah. Like, this mm-hmm. is how the Bears destroyed them. It's how the Eagles they played managed to beat them, too. And... Like if you're looking back through your tape of the year, which I hope you are as a coach, like you realize like we were not very effective against the zone defense. Like Bill Belichick, even though he only plays like zone, I don't know what the official number was. I heard like 20% of the time during the regular season. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so even though he's primarily a def- like a man-to-man defense, they had to know that he was going to adjust. And the fact that they weren't prepared for it, it's they have two weeks. It's baffling. I just don't. It's baffling. And it just, I think, the whole time further emphasized that it was, we titled it, I think maybe like a little hyperbolically, that it was an illegitimate Super Bowl. The Rams <laughs> didn't deserve to be there at all. They didn't deserve it. No, they and did it, not. And I have a hard <sighs> time thinking Drew Brees and the Saints wouldn't have managed. I know they might not have managed to like beat the Patriots because like, I'm not taking away from the fact that Bill Belichick is a great defensive coach. You don't think Drew Brees would have delivered that pass on time? No, he would have. He would have scored more than three points. It would have been at least 10. It would have been at least 10 to 10 at the end of the game. (laughs) Yeah, I'd like to give a thank you to the the line judge and the end judge in the Superdome. Because I agree, it would have been a little bit bit of a different game with the Saints. But I also think the... Go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. I'm I'm cutting on you. Finish with that. No, no, no. I was just going to say that I don't even know if I have the stats to back this up. The Rams' defense is good. It was good. The Saints' mm-hmm. defense, I think, a little more porous. Would have It would have been a more up-and-down game, a more entertaining game, without a question, against the Saints. I mean, that's like the saddest thing. Wade Phillips um, from the Rams is like 70 years old and puts together like a masterpiece. Because, I mean, mm-hmm. he just he basically... They, um, the, the Patriots moved the ball fairly well, but they could not score um, for the longest time. And he just gets nothing because his... His young uh, head coach can't deliver. But how about like the the referees lying in wait for the uh, I don't know the cornerback or whatever the safety from the Rams? So the first play he gets involved with. Is... 
Yes. He gets Boom, pegged for like a, well, probably, I don't know, by the letter of the law, probably was helmet to helmet or targeting or whatever the call was. It was a hit on a defenseless receiver. That's what yeah. the call was. Yeah. <laughs> but Roby Coleman, he was definitely like first He's play. A man. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, just to, to one more thought on this and on the season and playoffs as a whole. I think what makes Belichick great is his flexibility. And I think what, if anything, what the playoffs illustrated is how inflexible and like John said, how much hubris some coaches have like the chargers like played zone all season. They, I think were they were one of the most like often zone defense playing teams and Brady just picked them apart. Like they had no, no shot of defending Tom Brady in that game. And then the Super Bowl, same thing. McVay has this great offense, great scheme, and they couldn't adjust. And I think Belichick throughout his career has adjusted. I think the way the Patriots morphed this year into really like a power running team. And really that that was what ultimately I think sealed the game for them was that last drive where they were able to pick up first downs on the ground with Burkhead and with Michelle, where I know Patriots teams in past would not have been able to chew clock the way they did and to, to close out a game like that. So I think the flexibility and the ability to adapt from Bra- from Belichick and Brady is is what makes the Patriots the Patriots. Yeah, it's it's what Dabo Sweeney does in college. It's what Nick Saban does in college. I mean, that if you want to be a good football coach, you need to shelve your ego and try to beat your opponent. Um, which it's amazing how many people don't do that. Um, it's yeah. really insane. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a balance. So I'm not going to go like that far. I do think there's a balance when coaching like in between because you get caught like you don't always want to necessarily change yourself to beat your opponent because no, right. you trick yourself into doing things that you are not like that's you know not your part of your identity but clearly McVay like he didn't want to do anything even like because they're like you can do little tiny things that kind of like within yourself to kind of you know adjust to your opponent but I think to me the thing that's more striking about Belichick, especially kind of this year, really the past three years, is how much his offensive line has grown throughout the season. Especially this year after I thought, which I think most people agreed, losing their best offensive lineman in free agency was picked up by the Giants. Um, And I think no one expected their offensive line to be good. Their offensive line wasn't really that great during the regular season. And then in the postseason, they allow, I think, one sack in three games. Um and they turn into this power rushing attack. And I I mean, he seems to do that kind of repeatedly. I don't know how, um, but it's impressive. Could be the deer antler spray. <laughs> it could be. That's that's Ray Lewis. That's his thing. That's his thing. That's his thing. Uh all right. Just a very quick rundown. Cause we, if you listened last week on our betting for the Super Bowl, we each wagered on we had six prop bets or five prop bets and the game and cooper came out on top in terms of winning we all came out in the green let's put that or the black the green i'm not, black. A, finance, I'm not a finance guy the black that sounds right uh cooper came out on top he won 1150 dollars with a 600 investment we all invested 600 uh, i won 960 dollars john is contesting what he did and did not win because he apparently misunderstood the terms of some of the bets. For example, we bet on which song Maroon 5 would open the halftime show with. John thought he could get 15,000 to one odds that 
the the no, yeah, five would play at some point in the show she will be it's 150 to one that's what it is 100 no it's it's 15 to one odds that's what oh it you're right yeah it was plus 1500 15,000 yeah 15 to one <laughs> that they Not 15,000 yeah <laughs> thinking that they like that we were betting on if they would play it at all so yeah, but... so not I the mean... bet john does not cash that ticket <laughs> and then we had a Can little mix my up money with... back <laughs> you had a free play ticket we talked about this <laughs> yeah okay so i get the money back so I'll, I'll i'll add that in instead of a loss so i'm at 900 <laughs> okay you're still third out of three <laughs> <laughs> yeah just barely though <laughs> if it makes you feel better um and then we had a misunderstanding over the james harden bet we went back to the tape it's inconclusive what john thought we were betting on was it that the Harden streak would end first or was it that it would go longer than the Super Bowl? It was pretty clear between Cooper and I that we were betting on which one would last longer, the Super Bowl or Harden streak, which Harden streak is still going. But mm-hmm. John contests that as well. So, well, I, I, And I did not, in fairness, listening to the tape, I did not put the money <laughs> in, in my winnings here. In case <laughs> anyone was concerned about that. It past. was also like $5, I think, you bet on that. Yeah, it was like 6 bucks. Yeah, yeah. So it would have been 6 bucks. <laughs> okay, so 921 was your final payout. So we all won. Yeah. We should go to Vegas. Yep. Well, I mean, I could have won $3,915. <laughs> you did have the most upside. I did. I was, we, I was watching with like such anticipation when Maroon was, 5 yeah. came out for the halftime show. They played an early song, too. They played uh, Harder to Breathe, which is off the same album as She'll Be Loved. That is so bad. Mm. Yeah, the thoughts on the halftime show? show? I take it we're not fans. Not really. I'm uh, really pondering getting a California tattoo across my stomach. <laughs> well, it was funny that he just shed clothes throughout the show. I mean, if I was 39 and had his body in a California tattoo across my stomach, I'd probably do it, <laughs> it out there. <laughs> Fair. Uh, I, right. I was curious about why neither of the other performers also shed their clothing. Um, you know, well, Big, Big boy, boy had the best outfit of the night. That that yeah, coat I mean, was... he, he throws that coat in the crowd. I mean, the crowd's going to go insane, or be you know suffocated. One or the other. <laughs> <laughs> it was quite the quite the fit, Big Boy. Uh, all right, since we're we usually we would be saying goodbye to football right now, but we have the AAF starting up this coming weekend. The American Alliance of Football. Did I get that right? Mm-hmm. I think so, yeah. It's a uh, positioning itself as a complement league to the NFL. There are eight teams. I think that's right also. Eight yes. teams in non-NFL cities mm-hmm. uh, around the country. Entirely. Did I miss one? Atlanta has a repeat. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think that's the only one. Okay. And it's the Alliance of, of American football as opposed to, say, rugby uh, rules football or English football. Canadian football. Canadian football, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I guess we don't know where the Arizona team is playing. They're sure. probably playing. Oh, no. We, it's probably uh, the greater no, Phoenix area, <laughs> which is like a third of the state. Maybe it's like Tempe. Yeah. All right, Staff Department. You can look that up. All right, while you do that. Yeah. Uh, it, no, play. it is Tempe. Look at that. Oh, <laughs> John gets points for that. You can get another $5 free play. 
pass that in. <laughs> take that to the bank. Um, all right, so we each decided we're going to draft or pick one team to support from the AAF this year, this inaugural year. And they have a lot of players that we recognize, we'll recognize from, and coaches from either former NFL careers or college football careers. Uh, we also did some jersey uh, analysis as we picked our second team. Hold so on. I'll start with. I just no, no, no. Like we should point out just for the, just so we don't misinform anyone geographically about the state of Arizona. Uh, do we know where Tempe is in Arizona? Um, if you give me a second, I'll tell you. Okay, <laughs> it's right next to. It's Phoenix. in the. It's yeah, the same it city. So, well, okay, they're not the same city. It's the same city. It's just one like Scottsdale, of several. Phoenix, just the same DMA. Yeah, so they're in this. Okay, I just feel like we should point that out. Mm-hmm. Okay, sorry. That's okay. All right, so uh, John, your pick for the AAF. Yes. Um, so the way I arrived at my pick um, was uh, each of these, um, the way they did the the player selection, because each of these teams is owned by the league, is they signed a bunch of players and then they um, lined them up with like their colleges or their professional team and then gave geographic preference to teams on picking people. And so the way I went about doing this was I looked at which colleges were included and two colleges were included, um, Ole Miss and Mississippi State. And they, uh, amongst many others, and they corresponded to two, two of the teams that were closest to Mississippi, Memphis, and Birmingham. So naturally, I threw out the team that's affiliated with Ole Miss and it took states. And so I went with the Birmingham Iron, um, who also have the sickest uniforms because they are based on iron. Um, so black, uh, gray, not silver, and I think white. It's really just so. like a blacked out uniform. That's like it is it's pretty dope. Like. Yeah, it's the all black helmet that we've been waiting for at Notre Dame. It's pretty awesome. That we will never get in Notre Dame. Um, your team also has some of the more notable names in the league, John. It does. We have Trent Richardson, who was last seen I think, being <laughs> cut by the Colts for being overweight or something. I really don't remember. Right. He got cut by he got cut by I think two teams for being overweight. Um, and that was the only one. I, oh. Uh, is Zach Mettenberger on their team, or is he on the other one? Blake Sims was the other one. Oh, Blake Sims. Blake Sims. Yeah, Zach Mettenberger is playing for Memphis, which is yeah, he's on my know, team. fitting. Yeah. And oh, well, the kicker. Go. Oh, yes. Oh, Nick Novak. Never mind. Not as stoked about that kicker. Uh, stoked about someone else's kicker who will come up. But, yeah, Nick Novak actually played in the NFL. Um, mm-hmm. So he's, he's fallen um, quite a bit. But I bet the Bears will – I mean, the Bears should be calling. Like, oh, the Bears are scouring this league for yeah. place kickers. Yeah, <laughs> every game. <laughs> All right, Cooper, your team. Yeah, so I knew nothing about the AAF. Well, I knew a little bit, but really had to do like a deep dive on players. Um, and I'm trusting literally the only blog I could find on the AAF because, believe it or not, there are not many resources uh, on the AAF. Even like Reddit was pretty disappointing. And so based off some like power rankings of positions in the AAF, I had to go with Memphis because uh, they consistently had players towards the top of the power rankings. Their uniforms are absolutely atrocious. And as, you know, Jeff, you said this before, Aaron, that it looks like kind of one of the default templates you get when you start your own franchise and move them to like a brand new city in Madden. Um, they do have Mike, Mike Singletary as their coach, though, which is pretty cool. Um, Christian Hackenberg is their quarterback. 
And really, I picked them because I'm too competitive and I hate losing. I know this is going to turn into a competition, so I wanted to win. Oh, no doubt. Yeah, yeah. They've they've got the best backup quarterback in Zach Mettenberger um, of LSU fame. He was one of the long lines of LSU quarterbacks that were just people pretending to be quarterbacks. Um, <laughs> and then also Brad Wing, who was the, the like the original, I think, collegiate Australian punter. Who did like crazy things when he was at LSU? Oh, uh, would you like the, the, is... like running punt? The first one to introduce that. Yeah, and like the <laughs> banana kick and everything. Yeah, <laughs> it's so dope. Oh, I love it. Yeah, this, this league is like a treasure trove of former college football players you kind of remember. It's a great like. Oh, where did that guy play? Uh, little fun fast to go through the rosters. Uh, all right, my team is the Orlando Apollos. Uh, biggest reason I picked them. Is the coach by Steve Spurrier. They're leaning into their Florida roots. You call them roots. I appreciate it. Other than that, they didn't have any players that I really recognize. We do have former Miami quarterback. They're leaning even further into their uh, Florida roots, the lack thereof. And uh, the uniforms are dope. They've got like a toned down Boise State color scheme going on. I don't know if they're going to play on the blue turf. I hope they do. Um, but I doubt it. Yeah, super stoked for Steve Spurrier. Their games are also being broadcast on iHeartRadio, um, so that's pretty dope. And all these games are being broadcast on CBS, I believe. Um, no, not true. Um, CBS is broadcasting the two kickoffs and the championship, and then I think CBS Sports picks up one a week, and then like the NFL Network gets two, and then TNT flexes into a couple. Okay. I don't know, so it's really weird. It is which we probably will yes super piecemeal though not a huge fan of it gonna have to look for where the game is every week all right well follow along with us as we follow along with our adopted teams uh all right nba what happened in the nba this is gonna be our baseball thing for us yeah i'll say i'm gonna save it for my wasted data because i already kind of spoiled my wasted data and it's gonna be be a place to bring it up we're skipping college basketball yeah, we, we're going to have a lot of NBA stuff to cover, man. All right. I was going to tell Cooper that I'm coming to Cincinnati in a couple of weeks. but Oh, let's do that now. Let's do a little college basketball. We can do that. Okay. Cooper, I'm coming to Cincinnati in a couple of weeks. I don't care. Why? Because Villanova is playing Xavier in a couple of weeks. Oh. Okay. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My brother and I and our respective wives are going to the game. So Nice. For all the small takes listeners that'll be at the game, please don't, you know, throw things at us or try to beat us up. Because I know respect their privacy, please. Yeah, I know Xavier is a pretty rough place, and Cincinnati uh, even rougher. So hey, hey, careful, careful. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's, that's what I'm talking about. Careful. I know where you live. I'll steal Do your you baking books from you. No, oh, please don't. Got personal. <laughs> Got real. Uh, okay. Let's talk some NBA because we've been negligent of the NBA for a couple of weeks, uh, maybe even like a month, really, as we've been talking about football and baking. Um, but there's a lot going on in the NBA, lots to talk about that's happened, especially here in the last week. So lots of fresh uh, content. And we'll start with Anthony Davis, who is trying to get out of New Orleans and trying to, what appears, trying to get to Los Angeles. But as of today, I think news that came out earlier this afternoon, talks have stalled 
and had bit of, reached a bit of an impasse between LA and New Orleans. John, uh, question is, do you think that LA has mismanaged this whole process by kind of what seems to be lowballing the Pelicans at first? Or from LA's point of view, do you think the Pelicans have been unrealistic and like wanting a zillion draft picks and also everyone at the Lakers who isn't named uh, LeBron James? Or, or Ray John Rondo, right, okay, both of them. And but, Lance Stevenson. Oh, and <laughs> I think Lance the first pack yeah. included Lance, they said absolutely not. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't really think so. If, if, I mean, if we're looking at this honestly, LA is talking about a chance to get in the playoffs, to probably get a decent seed in the playoffs, and to maybe make a run in the playoffs. And New Orleans is talking about ending whatever they might have going on right now and totally restarting their franchise. And like the so the, there there is no actual pressure to get this deal done right now. Anthony Davis is upset, but you know what? The Pelicans are like are the third worst team in the East. So if they tank, then all they're going to get is a better draft pick when he leaves later on. And like they're not beholden to Los Angeles. They don't have to trade him if they don't want to. And if Los Angeles wants him, then they need to give New Orleans what they want. I mean that's that's the long and the short of it. Los Angeles is acting like there's this divine right of NBA players to play on whatever team they want. But the reality of the league is that they sign contracts to play with individual teams and they're stuck on that team, whatever the equity might be until their contract runs out or the team trades them. And if they want, if they want to be able to automatically demand trades then they need to collectively bargain that because they've bargained that away. So I think it's insane to, to be like, to view this, exclusively from Los Angeles's perspective and be like, oh, New Orleans is being totally unrealistic. Because, I mean, Anthony Davis is worth a lot. He's an amazing basketball player. And Anthony Davis with LeBron James, which is what the Lakers are trying to get, is worth an obscene amount. That's a lot, that's a lot of talent there, and that's a lot that Los Angeles is getting out of that deal. And they're not going to get... It is ridiculous to expect them to take Kyle Kuzma, Lance Stevenson, and like a couple picks um, in exchange for Anthony Davis. That's just insane. Do I have to? Uh, yeah, you can go ahead. I mean, there are just so many things to talk about. Like this is the NBA has turned into Game of Thrones. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like full blown. Uh, oh, man, how to even start? So I do think the Pelicans are, I think, I think the Pelicans are making a mistake. Um, I think they're never going to get an offer as good as the offer that they were up, apparently offered yesterday. Right. I know. Were they, uh, were they actually offer. the Lonzo, Lonzo Ingram, Kuzma and Josh Hart, right? Wasn't he in there? Uh, or? Zubach, KCP and two first round picks. I don't think it's going to get better than that. And cap relief and cap relief because they were trading Solomon Hill back to the Lakers. I don't know. Like, do they know who Danny Ainge is would be the question that I'm going to like, ask the Pelicans. Like, have, do you know him? Have you met him? Have you seen what he has done previously? Because uh, he's not in the business of doing what is good for your franchise. He's not. He's consistently gotten the better of trades. Um, and he, if I were a GM, even though I think the Celtics had the most to offer, like, I wouldn't trust that guy. I wouldn't. Right? Like, I just, like... He's going to get the better of you. Okay, I think the Pelicans, I think what they're waiting for is Jason Tatum in the summer. I'm assuming so. 
because out of all the players that they can get from anyone in the league that's realistic, Jason Tatum's the best player. Okay. There's no way Danny Ainge is offering Jason Tatum. There's no way. And I think what is going to happen is Danny Ainge is like, he knows that this is floating out there. Okay. And I think what's going to happen is the Pelicans are going to get to the summer. Danny Ainge is not going to put Jason Tatum on the table. And then all of a sudden the Pelicans are going to be like, oh, hey, Magic, you want to do this trade now? Magic's going to be like, well, all of a sudden the value got a lot less because I know Danny Ainge isn't giving you what you want. And I really think that's what's going to end up happening to the Pelicans. I don't see how any team gets better than that grand, like than that Godfather offer that was give that happened yesterday. It's it's I just it's not coming. I thought that offer didn't actually happen though, because I thought that there were all these reports that they like certain players were off limits and some of them were the guys listed. No, I'm in, pretty in the offer. It was so confusing. Off limits is LeBron. That's it. I think every other player has been thrown out there. Yeah, I mean, the thing that could happen this summer is the Lakers could say, hey, we also just signed Kawhi Leonard. We don't need Anthony Davis nearly as much as we need him. We needed him exactly. back and in they, February. The Pelicans are going to sit. I mean, they could. It's in there, I guess. I don't know if they could get fined for this. I'm assuming they're going to have to sit him the rest of the season. So that's the interesting part now is if this doesn't happen, it kind of – well, it really screws the Lakers, I think, more than the Pelicans because the Pelicans are not contenders. Yeah. But the Lakers now have this really awkward situation where Lavar is talking again about Luke Walton, and you've got all these players who know they were basically thrown onto the table for this Godfather offer to Anthony Davis. So it, it already create it creates an already it makes it already very tense and somewhat dysfunctional situation even more so well it's insane because lebron is actively trying to get his head coach fired um and it's the same time that they're trying to convince the pelicans they're in a position to extort anthony davis from from them which is i mean the lakers are a mess they're like they're on the the hairy edge of spiraling completely out of control and having this whole lebron experiment blow up in their face and i don't think they realize that or maybe they do, and that's why they've offered all these people, and now they're just exasperated with the Pelicans. But I think the Pelicans are aware of exactly what is going on in Los Angeles, which is there is one way to save this season, and that's to get Anthony Davis there. Hold There's on. nothing else the Lakers can do. The expectations were for the Lakers to win the championship. It wasn't going to happen this season. They might no. not make the playoffs, Cooper. They might not even make the playoffs, well, Cooper. LeBron has set out like 19 games. Calm yeah, down. Yeah, and now they're in a yeah, race. Like, like Now it's like, are, far from guaranteed. He what? sat out 19 games because he's injured and because he doesn't want Luke Walton there anymore. And now LeVar Ball has realized that LeBron James doesn't want Luke Walton there anymore. And LeBron James is the actual general manager of the Lakers. And that maybe if he cozies up to LeBron by throwing whatever will stick at Luke Walton, he'll get Lonzo traded to the Suns. Um, it's, this is insane what's going on in there. There, the there are like five different people trying to run the Lakers. The I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. The Lakers, if LeBron plays the rest of the season, doesn't have like a major injury, the Lakers are making the playoffs. Doesn't have a major injury, which we've never had to say before with LeBron. And now he's probably going to – I mean, if he has to play like he's played in the past to get to carry this team into the playoffs on his back, he's, it's not a question of if. It's a question of when he gets injured. And then you're talking about – all of a sudden, LeBron is a 34-year-old who is carrying an injury over into the next season. 
and they're going to be relying on Kawhi Leonard to lead their franchise. I mean, this is like, this is not good for the Lakers. They have to get Anthony Davis, and New Orleans knows that. I don't think they do. And they're going to take him down to Anthony Davis. Because if they don't, their team's not going to make the playoffs. LeBron's going to get injured, and they're going to have lost everything that they have. I think it's insane to think that a Lakers team that was sitting in second or third when LeBron got hurt isn't going to make the playoffs and beat the Warriors on Christmas Day. Like, that team is was good with LeBron. I mean, the Sixers but, beat the Warriors last yeah, they week. Did. They did, and the Sixers, you would say, are a good basketball team. They're a good basketball team. They have yeah. generally everyone healthy. Yeah, the Lakers are going to make the playoffs. It's they might make the playoffs, but what does this do to the team dynamic? And to, like, I'd also this might segue into the other trade that happened. Like, this could very well come together in the next, like, 48 hours. I mean, a lot has been leaked to the press. I think in the NBA, a lot gets leaked intentionally. And mm-hmm. there was this leak that the Lakers are basically, like, done, that they've – the Pelicans' offers are unrealistic. And then you had Chris Ops Porzingis, who in the span of an hour and a half went from being someone the Knicks were, like, mm, yeah, we might consider shopping him to a member of the Dallas Mavericks. I know there are conspiracy theories out there. Cooper, I think, was shaking his head because you. Th- so, you th- did you buy into the theory that they've been shopping? Oh, yeah. Yes, for yes, like m- months. <laughs> yes, there. That doesn't happen that way. There's no way. They might have actually had that meeting. I think they probably didn't have that meeting. But the Knicks were definitely shopping. They definitely had an idea that the Mavs wanted to do that trade because the trade doesn't like. There's no way they got that trade finalized in an hour and a half and felt that confident that that was the best offer on the table. That just no, that's bogus. And then the Knicks like leaked or leaked the idea of the meeting happening, which probably did happen, but they wanted everyone to know that it happened um, so that you know they could cover their bases of you know Kristaps wanted to leave. It wasn't them who shopped their best player out. So do we like this move from the from the Knicks, um, which is basically without reading, like you don't even have to read that much into it to basically see, they now have the space to sign two max guys this summer. There's been the frequently rumored KD to NYC rumors. Kyrie has now been thrown into the picture too. So they essentially traded their best player on their team for cap space. But if they end up with, even if they end up with KD, if you're a Knicks fan, that's worth it, right? If you get up with KD and maybe like a lesser Mac guy, like I don't even know who a good example would be, but not a Kyrie Cal player, but like another top tier player, that's a win, I think, for a Nick. It's worth it. I mean, if you have no self respect for yourself as a sports fan, then yeah, because I don't know who actively hopes that Kevin Durant will be the face of your franchise after what he's done to his public persona and how I think most people. You know, view him. I would much rather have Kyrie Irving be the face of the Knicks and then have Kevin Durant also. I think that's like this is Kyrie's perfect situation. He doesn't have to be the best player on his team, but he gets to be the out the dominant personality. So I mean, if 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 one of the if Kevin Durant ends up going there, I would imagine that Kyrie Irving follows pretty quickly. But gosh, I would not want Kevin Durant on the Sixers. Yeah, so I have a couple of problems with their theory. Um so, I mean, obviously, if you can get Kevin Durant, I think you got to go get Kevin Durant. He's a top five player in the league. And 
maybe one of the best scores outside James Harden. Um, so they're like not that far away from a, I guess, Dennis Smith Jr., Zion, KD, Kyrie lineup, which is pretty intimidating in the East. Um, <laughs> but I think that's assuming that two of the bigger free agents, if Kyrie doesn't sign an extension with the Celtics, but two of the bigger free agents this summer sign with the Knicks who are still ran by James Dolan. Like, I just, why go to play for the Knicks when you know he's the owner? Like, I just don't, if you're a player and you can choose where you go, why choose that owner? And I get that it's New York and that, you know, it's good for your brand and all that stuff. You get to play in Madison Square Garden every night, or not every night, every home game. But, like, if I'm a player and I'm looking at the two New York teams, there's no way I don't prefer Brooklyn. Yeah, I think you have to believe in there that there's still intrinsic value in the Garden and the next. I think there is because mm. Ron went to, back to Cleveland with an owner who is not quite James Dolan bad, but basically yeah, but there's some on the way out. It's there. Like, it's not KD has those in New York. I guess Kyrie kind of does. Yeah, um, but I think the way LeBron had the allure with Cleveland, which is a very unique LeBron, New York has an alert to a lot of guys, even if you're not from there. I guess that's the hope. I mean, if you're a Knicks fan, that's you have to yeah. hope on that because not this is an unmitigated disaster. Yeah, it's insane. You land the first pick and you get Zion, and that that is able to entice hopefully at least one other big free agent to come, if not two, because you can afford two. Yeah, I wanted to go back to the AD thing if we can. Yeah, all right. If you're Danny Ange as a Boston fan, what are you offering for AD in the summer? <laughs> Knowing that he does not want to re-sign with your team. He's got one year left, right? Yep. So he's got... I he's mean, a one-year rental, or you can hopefully convince him, like Toronto's trying to do with Kawhi, that everything is good and that you can re-sign him. Yeah. So there's no... I mean, regardless of what he says, there's a chance, because Paul George, like, yeah, no one thought that. he was going to stay. Uh, I agree with you. I think Tatum will be off the board. Well, I think anyone else is fair game. I think Jalen Brown is fair game. I think uh, Marcus Smart is absolutely fair game. Like I, I think there's no one on that roster besides Jason Tatum. And Kyrie would be a free agent as well, so even more reason to try to go all in with the risk that Kyrie leaves or go all in and use AD as a way to entice Kyrie to stay. So I say build your big three. I hate that term, but build your big three as AD, Kyrie, and Tatum, and everyone else is fair game. So you'd, you'd sell out the White Knight? Who's the Gordon White Hayward? Knight. You'd get rid of Gordon Hayward? Yeah. Although I don't, his value couldn't be lower right now. Yeah, he'd be like, not very high. And he's also an albatross of a contract. He I don't think he brings much value to any sort of trade discussion. I think uh, Jalen Brown would be a big one. Um, I don't know what Horford's deal looks like. He probably might be a throw-in. Could be a throw-in. Um they they have guys and they have picks, so they have this stuff to make it happen. That's how I do it. Anyone but Tatum. Yeah, it just I just don't see. It's not it's not better than what the Lakers are offering. Them now. That's why I love that this could potentially go to the summer, because then the market will be a little more realistic, a little more level. I think the like I think that New Orleans is just going to take them down to the deadline, and the Lakers are going to make another offer. And but what else do they offer? The only, that offer only gets better by giving them f- like the four first round draft picks that they want, 
which is insane. That is insane. I think think they're going to reiterate the offer and they're probably going to give them like, I don't know, another second round pick or something and be like, and probably plead with them to do the deal. And they're going to do it. When is the deadline on Thursday? Is it like 5 p.m., 2 p.m.? I don't know what it is. I think it's five. I mean, the same conversation we're having right now is going on in the Pelicans front office. And like, they know that their offers they'll get the summer will not be this good. I think that starts to, that'd be like a come to Jesus moment between now and Thursday. They could easily come back to the same offer. I don't think it's a come to Jesus moment. I think it's just, it's a game of chicken where they're just like, look, this is a pretty good offer. Let's see if they will do anything more. And if not, then we walk away with, then we take this offer. Yep. And I think that's a totally legitimate thing to do. I think the Lakers probably started this negotiation way too early. Like they should have come out guns blazing like today and been like, look, we've done the due diligence. We've done everything. These are the guys we want to give you. You know, we'll give you all of this. Send them like a nice long fax with all these names and picks on it. Instead of, I mean, because they lowballed them right out of the gate, right? They sent. I don't, I don't understand what they like, how they've been negotiating because it honestly seems like they basically ticked the Pelicans off, thinking well, at that. Some points, Dem, at some point, Demp was Demps wasn't answering his phone, which, as a GM, probably not a good strategy. Just throwing that out there. Uh, do not disturb. Hate when yeah. you accidentally turn that off. <laughs> uh, the week before trade deadline as an NBA general manager. New Orleans is a proud city, and they feel like they've been slighted by Los Angeles right now. So I would not. <laughs> I'm, I, I am serious. Did you see the crowd that went out for the parade that went right by the Superdome and the Smoothie King Center? No, I, Which, did, I did see they had the lowest like major market Super Bowl ratings by a long shot. It was, it was insane, the number of people that were out there. And you would be crazy not to think that, I don't know, Mrs. Uh, I, forget, I forget the last name, but the, the widow of the guy of Tom Lost. Benson. Oh. No, well, <laughs> I, I'm talking about the New Orleans. I'm talking about the New Orleans owner saying, Look, you yank these LA guys around and you you make you you know, you turn the knife a little bit and we'll do the deal, but you're gonna make them feel you're gonna make them feel like idiots for at least twenty four hours, you know. I like it. Cool. Cross sport conspiracy. Uh well, they, they right. own they own both teams. Yeah. I yeah. I, I buy it. In the NBA I, I, impossible is nothing. Uh all right. Last question, like I dropped a gun to your head. Does the deal get done before Thursday, Cooper? No. John? Oh, yes, definitely. You, John. I think this is all a negotiation tactic. And we'll realize. But, like, what are they? I, I, what else could they possibly negotiate for? They're, not gonna, they're just negotiating to see if the Lakers would throw in yeah. like a fifth first-round pick. To see you how far time. they'll go. They will go really time. far, obviously. But they're also willing to it's, – it's called anchoring, Cooper. It's a negotiation tactic. I understand. I just feel like if I'm Magic, at some point I just got to be like, enough is enough. You're not getting a better offer this summer. That's negotiation I'll, tactic. That's what he's trying to do. I'll, to, wait. To, I'll wait till Danny Ainge like, rejects you, and then you come crawling back to me, and I'll give you the bare minimum. Here's yeah, a, but he did that too early. You, you, do that, you do that Thursday morning. That's when you do it. The, the Lakers are, have not negotiated well, in my opinion. They're they're playing all their cards at all the wrong times. Yeah, they still have. Well, time. we also don't know who is negotiating because, like, all of this is getting. I'm like of the theory that all this NBA stuff is getting purposefully leaked to like help manipulate the situation. Yeah. 
So like who's leaking this information, why they're leaking it is why this is so Game of Thrones and I love it. Mm -hmm. Sam Hinkie is behind it all. (laughs) (laughs) He is the the chess master moving the pieces. Uh, All right, we've gone really long. Um, Let's do the waste of data and wrap it up. Cooper, you said you had a deep bench of wastes of data. I did. So I'll just I'll stick to one. Um, I want to pull up the exact quote. Oh man, it's going to take a while. John can step in if you'd like. Yeah. Go ahead. Sure. John, yeah, I'll I'll poach real quick. I broached this topic earlier, but the halftime show was bad, um, and I didn't like it. But I mean, like to be fair, I don't like most of the Super Bowl halftime shows. I enjoyed the pageantry of like the Katy Perry show because it was so over the top and wild. I think Lady Gaga's was the same way where it had a very high production value. I could care less about what the music sounds like. This very low production value, just a lot of fire. But the thing that ticked me off the most was the tease they did with the SpongeBob video. There were all these conspiracy things out there that, you know, they would at least play a couple notes from Sweet Victory. You know, not not like I'm not expecting them to do the whole song. You know, I mean, that would eat up a, a ton of stuff. But they showed the they ran the clip and they didn't even use the audio from it. Mm-hmm. They used completely different. I guess they used the audio from the guy's song, which, you know, is acceptable because that's how that's why it was even connected there. But huge missed opportunity. I don't think SpongeBob is going to SpongeBob is going to make it back after we have another huge faux pas. And, you know, they have to go and you know, when we're our parents age, when the who came out, you know, when the Who came along and they had to use them instead of uh, MTV produced uh, mm. Super Bowl <laughs> halftime shows. Yeah, I don't know. I think the, I think we've lost the SpongeBob moment because everyone thought it was going to happen this year because the uh, the creator, right, SpongeBob passed away. He died. He died of uh, ALS, which the NFL, a disease that the NFL has a lot of ties to. Yeah, so it made sense. It was it was all in front of Maroon Five. Mm-hmm. The NFL. Disappointing. I agree. Uh, all right, Cooper, are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. All right, so Anthony Davis Sr. said at one point during all this drama, which, again, is done on purpose, anyways, to try and manipulate the situation. Um, so AD's dad goes on record by saying, Boston, I would never want my son to play for Boston after what they had done to Isaiah Thomas. No Oof. loyalty. Guy gives his heart and soul, and they traded him. Anyone can print that. Um, and then lots of people did print that. And Rostillo and Twelman got Taylor Twelman got really mad about it on Twitter. Lots of other Boston press media people basically justifying Boston's decision to trade him. Um, and I think they're kind of missing the point that like NBA players are still maybe I don't even know if it's true, but I do think are right in kind of maybe questioning uh, the Celtics kind of how they treated Isaiah Thomas because I think what was really bogus about that situation which Boston is completely in the right to trade Isaiah Thomas and I think most teams would have um, but still the decision that was made to basically force slash encourage Isaiah Thomas to play when clearly he wasn't ready and his injury was more serious in the playoffs and then trade him after he got hurt more and basically ruined his chance at lots of money and he's never seen that money ever again yeah, the prank struck. It never backed up. So, yep. uh, yeah, I just think Boston media was a little ridiculous when that came out. Surprising, I know. <laughs> I know. Uh, who would thought? Yeah. Who would think Boston media? I know. Homers. Uh, I am of the opinion that this is very well could be a curse on the Boston Celtics, a la Babe Ruth. I just I believe in karma, and I don't love the. I, yeah, I agree with you. 
Yeah. I agree. Uh, my wasted data, I mentioned it earlier. I'll give it in full here. Skip Bayless, our, uh, our sweet prince of bad takes and wasted data. He tweeted after the Super Bowl, did last night damage Brady's legacy? Question mark. We debate next on Undisputed. That's a hot take for some content. Scorching take. <laughs> the one drive Patriots scored was actually the drive where Brady pretty much carried them down the field with pass plays. Um, so that's just par for the course for Skip. I mean, when does winning? Okay, what? That's just yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Winning the Super Bowl bad for your legacy? Well, okay, I think it's. It's bad in the sense. Oh God! Bad. No, 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 this is all the all, all the spin I'm going to put on it is forever. I have wondered was is it Brady or is it Belichick who's been the driver? And I'm pretty well convinced that Belichick is going to get the lion's share of the credit. I think it's no. going to be less. No, absolutely not. Six Super Bowls by being bad. I said, I said the lion's share, not all of it. I and like you know now people think they don't think. It's they think of Joe Montana and then they think of Bill Walsh. I think it's probably going to be Bill Belichick then Tom Brady. No. Both great, I'm, both want a lot, but I think that's probably probably what it's going to be. I can give you at least three names that have had more impact on a Super Patriot Super Bowl: Adam Vinatieri, Tom Brady, uh, just, Malcolm Butler. <laughs> Malcolm Butler. Without <laughs> him, they don't win that Super Bowl, John. Yeah, they didn't win that in the last Super Bowl without him either, right? Yeah. It's all in the Maybe past. That's why he's influential. Yeah. That's yeah. why he's influential. That's an argument for his case. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the, it will be Brady Belichick in some like they'll be mentioned together forever, but it, Brady is first. Brady will always be first. I just don't get why it matters. It he's doesn't. Still I agree. The greatest but... quarterback of all time. Yes. Let's end the show right now. Cut. Scene. Oh, we're not a karma podcast. I meant to say that earlier. I missed my chance. Okay. Not a not. karma podcast. Okay. But yeah, good. Good established. <laughs> Establish that. Uh, all right. <laughs> Anything else? Go Cats. It's dinner time. Uh, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Small Takes. Episode 81. We appreciate it. Uh, check out the Twitter poll that Cooper's going to put up about what John Maybe. should bake next. Maybe. No, Cooper. He's actually going to do it. We'll, we'll brainstorm. We'll have a little podcast. Uh, is not good at commitments. We'll connect offline. No, we are. We're gonna be good. That's our 2019. That was my resolution for 2019. Uh, no. We'll be back next week. We're gonna get back on Sundays. Sundays are the day. But we can't commit on this podcast because this is the Terrell Owens of podcasts. Oh, I was trying Just to think whose number it. it was. That's perfect. Just the realized TO, it. The TO podcast. Ugh, Terrell Owens. What a legend. Uh, all right, he should show up in the AAF. That'd be sweet. He'd probably play. I think he could. And then destroy the team. <laughs> it's my quarterback. Never forget. Uh, all right, that's it. Thank you, guys. We'll see you next week. Dope. Hour five.